Hi everyone. I'm Doc. I'm a clinical psychotherapist. And I'm Cece. I'm a professional musician. We're two friends who spend a lot of time unpacking each other's bullshit. And this podcast is a way for us to help you through yours. Welcome to Let's Unpack This. Hi. <laughs> Good evening. <laughs> what time is it? This it's is late. our this is our first time recording an episode at night. Yeah, we'll see if it's worse. How does this how does this feel? This feels good for me because by this time of the day, I'm like rearing and ready to go. Wow, I'm ready for bed. <laughs> Last night when you're like, do you want to record in the morning? I was like, what time? <laughs> like 1230 in the afternoon? Yeah. Or? Yeah, like. 10 a.m. has been, like, too early for me recently. <laughs> That's okay. You've been staying up late in quarantine. Yeah. So how is quarantine going for you? Let's check in real quick before we dive into our topic. Um, I <laughs> went for a walk uh, on the beach yesterday before work mm -hmm. and had to um, remove myself <laughs> And go to the dunes and sit and cry mm -hmm. for a while, like an hour. Um, yeah. It's, I'm, I feel like in my internal world, I'm, I'm doing well, I mean, as well as you could, um, and still really trying to do a lot of the internal work. But when I step outside and am reminded of what's going on and, I hear everyone else's frustrations and everyone else's opinions and everyone else's stuff um, all day, five mm -hmm. days a week. And then I leave and I see what other people are doing or not doing. And it just became a lot um, yeah. because like everyone else, I would like to be done with this soon. Um, but it's just a lot to have people like combating you all the time. And I don't say anything. You know, mm -hmm. um, I cannot argue back with people. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I really try not to just in my personal life because I just don't see the point. And, um, yeah, it's so, exhausting. Yeah. So I just had to let some of that out and meet that need for myself instead of stuffing it because, you know, when I was walking on the beach, I was just seeing a lot of things that were really frustrating and, mm -hmm feeling very unsafe myself. Um, and like, I have to get outside. Like I have to get some air just like everybody else. Like I have to get some sun. If I don't like, I feel it physically like everyone mm -hmm. else does. And I felt like I couldn't even, um, do that safely. That's how so I that feel. Was, yeah. Yeah. And, um, so I, I, I've been noticing a lot of my like her child stuff coming up right um feeling unsafe really trying to allow myself to not feel abandoned emotionally really trying to meet all of my needs physically and emotionally um knowing that I can't really search externally for that especially right now and mm -hmm. I mean that's not sustainable anyway um so I'm okay but I I think just like as okay as you could be yeah how are you doing well, 
I feel like I've been on a little bit of an emotional roller coaster this week. Like I have really good days and then I have I, feel that. I have some not so good days. Um I feel like the not good days come out of nowhere. Like the other day, you know, we live in this small town and and I and I went down to like the main street and I and I had to pick something up and um I went to the shop that I, you know, used to spend a lot of time in and I like I opened the door and and I it just like hit me like every once in a while I'll do something and it'll remind me of the, you know, routine and normalcy of of life before and it's like you know, we've talked about this before. I'm having these like little like flashbacks and trauma responses to, you know, that kind of being stripped away. So just like I sat in my car for like 15 minutes and cried just and it felt really good because I feel like during this like I've had a I've been not stuffing things but like trying to like practice that radical acceptance to the point where like I haven't really been able to like dig into the pain of it and um but same like walking around and seeing how other people are acting I'm having to you know obviously like work on not being judgmental right and uh it's really hard because you're right like I and and you hit the nail on the head like I I'm feeling unsafe not just physically because of the the virus but emotionally because people are acting a way that's out of alignment with what I believe to be true Mm -hmm. right so Uh. (laughs) I mean, like, isn't that the root of most of my problems anyway, all the Mm -hmm. time, Um, you know, responding to a situation out of fear because, you know, uh, somebody isn't acting the way I want them to. Oh, but today I had like a mini breakdown. My boyfriend, I made brownies last night. I told you earlier. Yo. (laughs) I live with an absolute terrorist. (laughs) You live with a monster. (laughs) He was like joking around, but I, last night at nine o'clock, I made these brownies. Like brownies have been my, my special treat every, you know, week or two. I'll make a tray of brownies. Mm -hmm. They're great. They were so, and this batch was even better. So let me just. (laughs) So he ate four. Right? There's a tray. There's nine in the tray. He ate four last night, and then today we were, like, sitting on the couch, and he was getting a brownie. I was like, oh, get me get me one. So he just brought the whole tray in because we were just going to share it. Mm-hmm. But then he started breaking them up, like, into to little Pete. Like, I don't even know what he was doing, but it, it just got to me so bad. And then he went in into the kitchen and got whipped cream and s- sprayed it all over the rest of the brownies. And, like, I don't... I don't like whipped cream. It's not like I can't eat it, but I'm like, you just ruined my favorite treat. And we were laughing so hard because I started like picking up the brownies with my fingers and I was like, <laughs> kind of crying in the brownies. <laughs> and he's like, are you okay? He's like, are you having a nervous breakdown? And, and it was one of those things where I was laughing so hard or I was crying really hard and laughing at the fact that I was crying. And I, and I had to clarify to him. I was like, let me be clear that I am not laughing so hard that I'm crying. It's the other way around. Right. Like, I'm laughing at the fact that I'm crying this hard about my brownies because this is all I have right now. 
Yeah, there's been so many situations this week where I've had to deal with situations where I felt out really out of control. Not me, but I felt like I couldn't control anything in my life and I just felt really powerless to all that. So my brownies were my coping mechanism. Listen, I would like to validate you right now and say whoever puts fucking whipped cream on brownies. <laughs> You're like, why? Is a fucking monstrous <laughs> human being and should be put away. <laughs> and if you're listening and you do that, I'm so sorry. We're going to have to do a poll on our social media. Whipped cream on brownies or no? <laughs> oh, you just fucking ruined it. Yeah, so. Maybe on a brownie Sunday, but this isn't a Sunday. There was no ice cream to be had. No. Because I've no. eaten it all. All the ice cream Mm-mm. is gone. <laughs> No, I also get really sick from a cream, so it's it's a yeah. I'm not like lactose intolerant, but thing. I try not to eat dairy because I break out so bad. So like whipped cream mm. is a, is an unnecessary dairy product. It's an, an I know unnecessary a lot of evil. A lot of people would disagree. Like a lot of people like whipped cream. Well, they're fucking terrorists. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I think we just lost all our listeners. <laughs> They're all like, we love whipped cream. Fuck all of you. Bye. Uh, oh, by the way, someone that we're friends with heard when I talked about how cat people are the worst. And she's like, yeah, you fucking said that. And I turned it right off. <laughs> See? And so like, Someone who loves me very much said that. I think I know who you're talking about. So let me just say, like, I love cats. You love dogs. So there isn't, like, we have a little bit of everything for everyone here. No need to turn us off. If you don't like one thing that one person says, the other person probably is the opposite anyway, right? Yeah, I yeah, and I just also say whatever fucking comes to my mind and don't filter it. So <laughs> that's just that's what just happens. How it and rolls. We just need to go with it. Yeah, we'll get into why that is in a later episode, but it's because <laughs> of the planets. Anyway, it's not because of just me not filtering myself. It's okay. So our so topic what today. Are we talking about today? So to say that this topic is really, um, I don't know, it's it's coming at a good time because I'm feeling it. Uh, you, you've been wanting to do this topic. You've brought it up a couple of times because it, mm-hmm. you've stated how it's come up recently with everybody being quarantined and dealing with all this craziness. Um, so we're today we're going to talk about the inner child. Wah! <laughs> Wah! Um, so do you want to give some like (laughs) some facts on what the hell that is what does that mean people are probably listening like what is that yeah well everyone has one so buckle up (laughs) my friends and if you haven't met your own yet that's great because once you do it's all fucking over I'm just kidding but um (laughs) the inner child it's a part of our mind just like the ego is and um, we've talked a lot about the ego in previous episodes, and the ego actually protects our inner child. Mm-hmm. But our inner child is part of the mind that has had all of our life experiences as a child. Um, and it is the part of us that is made up of all of those experiences, all of our conditioning, all of the needs that we did or did not get met. Um, and it's the part of us that is still striving for a lot of those needs to get met. So it's the part of us that comes up when we 
throw temper tantrums, when we are afraid, mm-hmm. when we become very angry. So, you know, you were talking earlier about getting frustrated and, you know, by seeing people outside, I was talking about the same thing and right. wanting to control. Um, so it's the part of us that comes up when fearful Um, It's the part of us that comes up, especially in relationships with others. Mm -hmm. So, you know, our inner child is like the part of me. I'm just going to give my example. Um, And when I ever do meditations on it or have ever done any inner child work on it, mine always comes up usually as the age of six. I had a lot of stuff happen at age six. I had a lot of stuff happen at other ages, but that was the earliest that I can remember – pivotal occurrences happening with my parents where they taught me that um, I could not trust Mm -hmm. and that I could not trust myself and um, that it was not okay to show emotion and it was not okay to express my emotion. So it's the part of us that didn't get any needs met, you know, growing up and didn't get the needs met that we were supposed to get met by our parents but didn't because of their own conditioning. Mm -hmm. And it's the part of us that we usually don't know about just like our ego like most people don't actually know what the ego is most people don't know what an inner child is and so we just kind of walk around like little kids in grown-up bodies just (laughs) acting out all the time and that's why we kind of all can't stand each other um and it's coming up a lot right now a lot of I'm seeing it with clients I'm seeing it in the public I'm seeing it with loved ones with friends like a lot of defiance a lot of combating a lot of bullshit Mm -hmm. um and it's all our younger selves coming up out of fear and us not knowing how to parent our own selves. So this has makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So it has a lot to do with the part of us that reacts to things, how we react Mm -hmm. to things and as a child, right? Yeah. Our unresolved emotions, needs that weren't met, um, times where we felt scared. So absolutely. Very interesting. All of that. Yeah. And I always tell clients as a way to try to find compassion for others and act in compassion for others, try to imagine that our parents, the people that we're dealing with in day to day are quite literally, when you're not evolved, when you haven't done work on yourself, you are quite literally a little kid in your adult body. And that's so, that's so great. And I heard, I heard somebody else say that before and it really stuck with me when you're dealing with somebody you know, whether it's somebody you like or don't like, imagine that, like, they were a baby once. They were a baby. They were a baby. They still <laughs> might be a baby. But, like, if you choose to look at everyone as as a child, as a baby, and see the innocence in, in who they were and the fact that they had a whole bunch of con- conditioning and, and things happened to them that made them, you know, turn out to be the way they are or react the way they do then it, it allows you to be way more compassionate with people. And, and if you, you do that with yourself, right? Like I have mm. to do that with myself too. That's the kicker. Yeah. It's easy to, I think, I think for me, it's easier to, to employ that when dealing with other people than it is with my, my own self. Why do you think that is? Because my, when I think of my inner child, I think of someone insecure and undeserving, right? Like Mm -hmm. I'm not deserving of that forgiveness and Mm. empathy and compassion, but like I can do that for other people. Who do you think you learned that from? (laughs) Welcome to therapy. (laughs) 
um my parents for sure not just my parents just just the a lot a lot of the adult influences in my life Mm. I had a lot of like very giving people in my life growing up you know my my I had a, a grandmom who was I was really close to and you know they were the kind of people that would like do anything for anyone right but so like I learned the compassion mm-hmm. from that but it didn't allow me to learn how to like look at myself and take right. care of myself right we first of all it is not our fault um how we may have been raised what we how we may have been treated how what we may have learned mm-hmm. may have observed our parents we've said this before have always done the best that they could yeah, and the best absolutely. that they know how with the knowledge and experience that they have and they conditioned us off of based their, off of their yep. own conditioning <laughs> exactly that's it and we repeat now as adults what we know based off of what the people who taught us all of that in when they repeated what they knew. So we just do what they did and yep. they did what they were taught. And it's just that's where intergenerational trauma comes from. That's why the lines, the generational lines of these behavioral patterns run so deep. Yes. These wounds run so deep. We're all just quite literally doing the best that we can based off of what we know how. And that's why it's so painful that when you learn differently but continue to do the same thing over and over again because our nervous systems genuinely become committed. We've talked about that in other ways before. To They become committed to certain dynamics, certain feelings, um, literally emotional addiction, become committed to certain types of people. So we can have the self-knowledge but then keep doing the same thing over and over again. Whew. And that's a painful place. I know that place all too well. And... Right. There's a lot of grace and forgiveness going to what you were talking about that comes from inner child work and, and healing of oneself. And, mm-hmm. hey, like, your brain took on all this shit on its own. Like, you didn't choose to right. believe that you were unlovable or unworthy. You didn't choose to learn certain things from your parents and not others. Like, our brains do this all on their own. Right. Um, I, while you were explaining that, I was, I, I really wanted to ask you this question. I didn't want to forget. So I'm going to ask you now. It's a little off topic, but what do you think? <laughs> it ha- actually, it's on topic. Just listen to the question. So what okay. do you think about the ideology? I don't know if you have any knowledge on this of, um, that we carry the trauma from our ancestors with us, right? So it's, it's this idea that the things that our parents went through or our grandparents or their grandparents through our DNA carries on, right? So like the anxieties that we have may have been formed generations ago from, you know, things in war that happened. So like these psychological traumas that, that happened get passed down through, through the years. What do you think about that idea? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, we could go even fucking deeper than that yeah and and go into past life life shit but um <laughs> i know i i thought it was like kind of a heavy thing for us to go into i mean we can always unpack that like both of those things in depth later too yeah but just to touch on it um i am a firm believer and only because i've done a lot of work on it personally and with clients mm-hmm. so i've had actual experiences where 
I have worked through generational trauma, where I have learned about my generational trauma, right? where I've done my own past life regressions right. and gone back to them in healing work and have done it with clients. So because I have a ton of experience with it. Yeah, I that's basically, I wanted to, to know that. if you had experience with that because it's kind of a, a thing that like people are like, mm, is that actually a thing or is it not? Yeah, I mean, I um, when I was younger, I had a lot of fears. My anxiety started pretty young. And they were fears that wouldn't didn't make sense. Like, I always had the fear of being kidnapped. I always had the fear of um, feeling unsafe, which partly does come from my lifetime now, like my parents. Mm-hmm. But a lot of fears about health. And the health stuff is very much passed down through my generational lines. Right. Um but a lot of the fears that came up that wouldn't make sense because those things didn't happen to me in this lifetime, I later learned when I had when I did past life regressions that those things had happened to me in past lives of mine. Wow. So we do carry this stuff with us. And it's more of in our souls, not necessarily and in our subconscious. It's not. It is in our DNA, but you know, it's it's a lot more of what we end up carrying with us that's so deeply embedded in our soul subconscious versus, um, you know, like, oh, like in my, you know, in my biology, like I'm carrying this stuff. But Mm -hmm. like I said, you know, our nervous systems become committed. Like every part of our body becomes committed to these traumas. And if we – and when I say trauma, that does not mean that you had to be – physically abused or neglected like this trauma is a all-encompassing word that encompasses everything from your reality being denied growing up to you know emotional abandonment to you know actually being held at gunpoint like trauma resides Mm -hmm. within everyone it's not just having to meet the criteria in the dsm-5 which is the diagnostic statistical manual that I basically want to rip up and throw out anyway. So why you know, is that? <laughs> um, because I think it's really unfair to diagnose somebody off of a very specific set of criteria mm-hmm. on both ends. One to just diagnose anybody with any type of one label when there are so many different factors to go into that go into why someone is suffering from what they're suffering from. Right. And then two, like if you don't meet all the criteria for a diagnosis, then you just don't have that diagnosis. Like if you don't meet all seven of these things, then you don't have this type of depression, but you have six. I was told I wasn't, I wasn't depressed enough to be clinically depressed. (laughs) Uh, see exactly my fucking point. Yeah. (laughs) They're like, you're not, you're not depressed enough to be considered depressed, but you know, that's neither here nor there. I know and I'm fucking, just, I, I suffer <clears throat> from depression, but thank you. Thank you. If you're yeah. trying to, like, what are you trying to make me feel better or? Who, who fucking knows? Because that's the dumbest <laughs> thing I've ever heard. But I hear that a lot. And, and that's just another example of how your reality has been denied. And therefore another way for you to not build trust in self. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh, don't get me started on the way <laughs> our country handles mental health it's literally the worst but but you know what was I even talking about (laughs) (laughs) 
I just triggered you. I got so very bad. heated. <laughs> I just, I just triggered you really bad. I'm sorry, but we. Were I don't t- know if it's my sunburn or if like I'm just like really hot all of a sudden, but I'm heating up. <laughs> yeah, you were talking about the. Yeah, but okay. <laughs> I think we just re-traumatize ourselves. <laughs> It's okay. It's so no, I I was just interested. I was just interested in hearing your your experience with that, you know, with an idea that I had read about and find interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because and because I know from experience that I've carried, you know, anxiety and worry that was taught. Like it was taught a lot of that was taught to me, not not consciously. You know, it wasn't something that. Uh, you know, a parent role or a teacher was like, here, have this. It was, they carried it. And I learned yep. through, through watching how they, they acted and how they responded to things. Um, so a lot of, a lot, and that's like the honest truth of it, you know, and, and trying to face that now as an adult taking responsibility for it. It's like, I can say, okay, yes, I was taught this, but now it's my responsibility to change this and work on this for myself. Absolutely. You know, I, what I take from my parents and I don't mean this in a negative way, it's just the reality is more of how they are, what I've observed rather than what they purposefully tried to teach me Mm -hmm. verbally. So I don't know if you have this experience. I see it a lot with clients. I see it with myself. I am like half of my dad and half of my mom. Mm -hmm. Like I do all the shit that my dad does. And like all the shit that my mom does. Yep. And like, I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> Literally like not how I wanted to be. Um, yep. And these, they are not things that they sat down and taught me or like tried to teach me. They are things that I observed in yes. how they react, in how they respond, in yes. how they treat themselves. So it's, that's speaking to what you were talking about, like just even again, the behavioral side of how this trauma gets passed down. I'm very much like my grandmother in a lot of ways, you know? And so it's, you look at the quote caregivers that you had, whether they're your biological parents or not, doesn't matter. Like whoever the biggest influencers in your life were growing up, like that's what you observed and what you took from Mm -hmm. everything that you learn about the world around us in school about, you know, in peer groups, we carry this stuff with us and it's again not a choice <laughs> like we don't have the development growing up and in you know when we're young children toddlers adolescents to decide like oh like i don't want to carry this with me into adulthood so i'm going to like rework this right now like mm-hmm. we don't realize that this is happening <laughs> right that our brains taking all of this on that makes me think of like um what we talked about in the past, um, like how things will bring me back to a certain time in my childhood, uh, mm-hmm. or high school, you know, and I'll react a certain way to a certain situation because it reminds me of an experience that I had in the past and, yes. <laughs> and trying now to react differently, knowing that that's the case, you know, like knowing mm-hmm. maybe I'm acting out of fear or, you know, I'm, I'm acting out of ego or, or anger. Um, well, what you're describing is exactly your what 
<clears throat> it looks like when your inner child, when the inner child part of you comes up, mm-hmm. is scared, feels unheard, unseen, misunderstood. Yeah. You know, those are the three basic needs that we have, you know, in not just growing up, but in adulthood right. that we often don't get met by our parents because our parents weren't taught one, how to see, hear, and understand others, but also were not seen, heard, and understood by their own parents usually or their own caregivers. So when we don't have those needs met growing up, we don't learn how to do that for ourselves. We continuously try to seek that out, you know, in adulthood. Right. And so when we are feeling threatened in any way, that's that part of us coming up. And that's why we often will act out or we'll revert back to old behaviors or we'll act very childish or very childlike, act very scared. And so, so much of this is us becoming like the wise older parent mm-hmm. for ourselves, like becoming the parent. And we'll get into that later, but you know, becoming the parent that we didn't have. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you <clears throat> felt this way growing up, but you know how I, I believe we were taught culturally is like our parents are all loving, all knowing, all protective, always. This is what a family looks like. And if it doesn't look like that, like that's strange. And these are the things that our parents are supposed to do for us. We're not taught that our parents are fellow human beings doing the, doing mm-hmm. the best that they can. I mean, my mom was younger than I am now when she had both me and my brother, my brother and me. And I can't even imagine being a parent that young. <laughs> like, no wonder she had no idea what the fuck she was doing. <laughs> I mean, my mom is a great mom. She, like, mm-hmm. did everything for us. But I would have no – I don't know how, how to be a parent now. Yeah. No, <laughs> and, and I think I'm, like – That's a great mm-hmm. point, like, that you – what you just said about, like, even with all this stuff, you know, because I, I, I was – I was felt led to say, like, does every – everybody deals with this, no matter how good – their parent may be right like yes. so it's like yep this isn't to say that anyone's parent is bad or good it's <clears> like no matter what we get right no matter what situation we're handled we're handed um these are things we're gonna have to work through anyway <laughs> yes exactly right we all have this part of our mind we all and that's the same thing that goes for like we all have an ego mm-hmm. like you and I have talked about how the ego is very misunderstood right you know, it's like, oh my God, you have such an ego. We all fucking We do. all have one. Like, yeah. <laughs> and ego's not good or bad. Yeah. The inner child isn't good or bad. It's just a part of our working mind. Got it. So it just, it just is. I have a lot of clients who have wonderful relationships with their parents, had wonderful relationships then, have wonderful, wonderful relationships now, but their parents are also fellow human beings and did the best that they could and they still have a ton of fucking issues. Yeah. Like, it because our parents can be great in a lot of ways, but then had to deal with their own shit too. Like mm-hmm. when you're a parent, your life doesn't stop. You might try to stop your own life for your kids, but it doesn't work that way. So that's why a lot of, I end up seeing also too, a lot of parents whose kids have grown up and they finally come into counseling. Like, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I like. I don't know what I don't like. Mm-hmm. What the fuck am I doing? I don't even like recognize my partner anymore. Who am I? Who am I? Yeah. And it, because they were never taught how to cope properly either, how to figure out who they were. So they come in, you know, midlife crisis type shit. Wow. Like, what the fuck am I doing? I see that probably more often than than any other demographic. That's wild. Mm-hmm. <sighs> um, so it's, it's not good or bad <laughs> whether you, like, have this. It just is. It just is, yeah. Yeah. And if we choose to ignore it, like, that's when we 
still repeat patterns. We act very childish. Like we don't end up reconditioning ourselves or reparenting ourselves. We just keep doing the same thing over and over again. Right. And then if we choose to have kids or, or can have kids or whatever, you know, your life path is, well then like you're going to pass it down. So. Yeah. So it, and when you don't work, when you don't take, choose to look at this because <laughs> right. The, these parts of ourselves can be the parts we don't really want to look at the dark parts, the, mm-hmm. the scary parts, the things that are about ourselves that are so deeply ingrained that we don't think we could change, you know, but, you know, when I, when I ignore these things and when I react in a way that is, is like my inner child, uh, I'm not growing in, in my relationships, in my life, um, and I end up acting out of fear a lot of the time. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's definitely scary thinking about the parts of us that we don't know mm-hmm. or don't know well yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I'm just here to say that there, you're not going to find out anything bad once you meet your younger self. Right. It's already there anyway. Your reality will be no different. Right. Um, I deal with the same things whether I choose to acknowledge my inner child or not. And the more that I've gotten to know her and understand her and comfort her and learn to be her you know, the parent that she always needed, like learn to be my own parent. The, I was going to use a word that I didn't want to use. Um, <laughs> the more healed that I've become. And I still deal with a lot of abandonment shit. And I still deal with like a lot of issues with seeking external validation and feeling unworthy and feeling unlovable, even though I know that I'm not. I know that I am safe. Mm-hmm. I have provided a very safe internal and external world for myself as an adult. Um, I take really good care of myself, but I still deal with that stuff because that's just a part of the personality. Mm-hmm. Like that's just a part of the human experience. And like you and I've talked about before, this work never ends. No. Like this is a <laughs> lifestyle practice yeah. that you're going to do or I'm going to do my entire life. And I fully accepted that. Like I don't do the work to get to an end point where the struggle ends. Like I do the work knowing that the struggle is worth it. Right. Um, and that this is just something that I always have to continue. But the more that I've gotten to know my younger self and really appreciate her and give her everything that she didn't get growing up, I've been so much more better off for it versus it hurting me or harming me right in any way I think it's also interesting to think about you know struggling with drugs and alcohol right that's like a whole other Mm -hmm. aspect right because when I was younger I I had that feeling that I you know no matter how many friends I had or how loved I was or you know how great my parents were I always felt less than and different from and you know, in in some sense, I feel like that carried way longer into my adulthood than it should have comparatively to other people that maybe didn't go down a really shitty path. Um, so a lot of this inner child stuff, you know, carried through my, my young adulthood because I wasn't able to grow and look at that because I was, you know, I, I was a shit show. <laughs> Right. So, you know, 
being able to look at it now is is necessary like I have to work through that and look at that um especially like you know in sobriety so you know I feel like this inner child issue whatever you want to call it right like Mm -hmm. I had all these behaviors when I was still a kid like you know self-harm I was really Mm -hmm. insecure and and I didn't get and I and I didn't feel heard right like you you always touch on that and that's like that that rings true for me like as a kid like I didn't feel understood I didn't feel heard and I like I felt a lot like I was like screaming and begging for somebody to like listen to me and help me and like I I couldn't get that and Mm. and you know my parent figures were just doing the best they could but that carried into my adulthood so you know how do how do you begin to to reframe these things so that they don't come up in a sabotaging way as an adult, you know, it's really difficult to try and completely change basically who you've been your whole life because of your conditioning. Right. When I want to say everything you said, I feel on a very, very deep level. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just, it's so real. And I mean, that's what we do. We, we learn, we learned to seek out love growing up, you know, when we did not get those needs met, we didn't get the love that we needed like especially even just as early as when we're infants and maybe if our parents taught us to ha- how to like taught try to teach us how to cell soothe mm-hmm. by the way like an infant cell soothing is not a thing <laughs> that's not a thing that we have that we know how to do as infants what but is that is that actually that. a thing that people do when you let your baby cry until they fall asleep oh right mm, yeah don't get me fucking started um <laughs> Babies don't know how to do that. <laughs> but okay. Anyway, so when we like, so that's how, how early this can start. And obviously, when you're an infant, you don't have the mechanisms to be like, oh, my mom's just really tired and doesn't want to, <laughs> like, wants me to just go to fucking sleep. Anyway, so, <laughs> <laughs> so a couple things to what you're speaking before I get into the how is remembering that these are going to be the types of things that come up initially. Mm -hmm. So, you know, because our ego steps in to tell us stories. And again, remember, like I said earlier, you know, the ego is there to protect the inner child. So Mm -hmm. we're going to have the self-deprecating thoughts, the the self-doubting thoughts, the (laughs) self-blaming thoughts. Like those are going to come up. The initial response to want to act out and self-sabotage could still come up. Mm -hmm. It's learning first how to become very compassionate with ourselves and understanding what our conditioning looks like, what the inner workings of our mind look like, so that when they come up, we don't, one, beat ourselves up more for it happening, for being a human being, Mm -hmm. and having these that all of us have, and then two, learning how not to then follow through with them. Right. Like just because I have this thought or my ego is coming up to tell me a story, it's not because I haven't done enough work. It's not because I'm not doing anything wrong. It's not because I'm, you know, not healed enough or not doing enough. It's just that's just what's going to happen. Yeah, and I don't, so, have to, I don't have to act out on it, right? Yeah, so a lot of compassion, a lot of understanding yourself and and how the human mind works and the human body works but then also 
then it's doing differently. So opposite action, reconditioning, reparenting, they're all like the same, the same concept, but using different words. So we have to become the parents that we didn't have. And again, that's not saying that we had bad parents, Mm -hmm. but we become, you know, the wise, you know, inner parent that we need, that our inner child needs. So, you know, growing up, we learned how to betray ourselves for love. Like you were saying, like, I absolutely relate. Like I would perform, I would get straight A's. I would make sure I look perfect. Mm -hmm. I do that now. (laughs) Like, you know, I thought that I had to do all these things in order to receive love. And that's what I quote learned. Mm -hmm. So instead we learn how to no longer betray ourselves and instead give ourselves what we need versus continuously seeking out the same types of dynamics or the same types of people or the same types of emotions over and over again just because that's what we're used to. Does that make sense? Yeah, Um, definitely. It's really important to learn how to not sustain things that no longer sustain us. Right. Like no longer doing the same things over and over and over and over again expecting them to just get, you know, for us to get different results. I mean, the definition literally of insanity, knowing that that's going to, that's going to be what our ego wants us to do. That's going to be what, you know, our nervous systems are going to lean us towards, Mm -hmm. but not what we need now as adults who are trying to reparent ourselves. Um, Making, yeah, making that choice, the more you practice it actually begins to feel good. You know, when you, when you go against that, that impulse to act, uh, you know, the way you used to, or, or when you decide to finally change something that you've, again, you've been doing over and over again. Um, I feel like that's when I can feel the growth when I'm, or if I, or if I'm acting a certain way, right. If my attitude's a certain way and I decide in the middle of the day to like literally basically snap myself out of it. Um, it's kind of because it's hard for me to see like when there's growth, but when I make those little changes and take those little steps, then I then I can actually feel it, and it's gratifying. Absolutely, it you know, and this is to validate the experience of us continuing to do what we've always done because it feels safe. So it feels safe to be stressed. It feels mm-hmm. safe to <laughs> thrive in chaos, like stress and chaos and, um, you know, our emotional hits from anger and sadness yes. and grief. Like that's all safe, quote, safe to us. It's not as adults. That's why it doesn't serve us anymore. But to our inner child, that is familiar. Yes. That's why we continue to get ourselves in the same types of relationships or seek those types of people out, like because all of that to us is so familiar a.k.a. what our ego believes to be safe. Right. But then we find out, oh, shit, I still feel unsafe (laughs) because these things are not actually safe for me. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so going back to something that you were saying earlier, like trying to control and change people, like that's something that a lot of us do. Um, Trying to get our parents to love us in the way that they needed, trying to get our partners to to change. Um beating ourselves up into behaving differently, criticizing Mm -hmm. other people to get them to behave differently. Um, Judgment. Like these are all things that 
are like fantasies to our inner child. Like, oh, if only my parent loved me the way that I needed them to. If only this person changed into who I needed them to be. Like, then I would feel loved and worthy. And like, that never happened. Right. So you start to change that. You start to learn how to not betray yourself by like what you had just said, making these small choices for ourselves. So, and this is not speaking to to what you were saying earlier. It just happens to be something like going to bed earlier. Like, um, working out, moving your body, creativity, like drawing, painting, um, actually like doing mm-hmm. things that we used to do when we were younger that really helped us, um, movements included in that, whether that's working out or just moving your body in other mm-hmm. ways like dance or, you know, just walking, yeah, yoga, going for a whatever bike it may ride. be. Yes. Um, you know, getting outside, journaling, journaling's a big one, um, and I, you know, my favorite inner child meditation. Yes. Maybe <laughs> you could share it when we, when we post this episode. You could share some of those. I will. I'll actually share at the end before we wrap up. A, okay, great. One that I actually recommend and recommend to a lot of clients. Um, yeah, I just want to note, I just, because I just thought of this. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, like, when I think of when I, I think back to a time when I was younger and I had a lot of trouble facing things and coping with things. And I remember my, my mom would say to me, like, how are you going to ever deal with real things in the, like when you're an adult? And at the time Mm. I was like, uh, I don't know. Like, look at me. I, I can't even deal with having to face a teacher or, you know, an authority figure as a, as a kid. And I, and I would, I didn't know how to regulate my emotions. I didn't know like how to respond in a way that wasn't in right. fear and that carried with me. And it still is something that, that I carry with me and I have to work through. And I've said this before, like it was told to me, like I have to change these things by practicing them and making them yes. a habit. And then yep. like, like you were just saying then it becomes, you know, you become you start doing the opposite behavior and you then you can see the change absolutely i mean just like you can't lose 30 pounds after working out once you're not <laughs> wait going what to be... you can't <laughs> no i'm so sorry <laughs> to inform you um but just like you can't do that you can't also um recondition all of your you know fucked up behavioral right. pat well they're not even fucked up they just are what they are mm-hmm. you know what you've known for so long it's it's just not going to happen after one meditation or like one journaling session or one therapy session or oh i've like developed the awareness now i'm cured like right. nope nope i i'm somebody who has a lot of awareness and knows a lot of shit from whatever the fuck i've learned in school forever many years and i still betray myself right so, yeah, so it's a lifelong thing and it's a practice. It, beca- it has to become a practice. Mm-hmm. Um, I, something that helps me is I have, a, I do these things in the morning. So when I get up, like I meditate, I do my journaling, I work out, I do most of all of my stuff in the morning. And then as I see fit throughout the day, like if I need to stop and, and do some breath work or I take a class or sometimes I do meditate also at night, specifically inner child ones to like release everything. Mm-hmm. But I try to do everything when I first get up so that I don't have the rest of the day to forget about it or push it off. Mm-hmm. And that's a way that I've been able to stay over time. It was something that I had to 
practice yeah. become disciplined in. Like it truly is learning to become disciplined. Yeah, I think that's really important. I've I've actually been doing I I want to start meditating in the morning. I've been doing it at night um just cuz it really helps me get to sleep and like end the that's day. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I can't I want I want you to send me some of these inner child meditations cuz now I'm I will. Um, it's also really important. And this is something you've talked about, um, to connect with other people and to speak our truth. Right. Those are two really important things too. And, and how to become, um, you know, the parent that you need and becoming very, um, aware, which takes observing, takes meditation, takes sitting with self, which I know is very uncomfortable, but it's necessary in order to meet ourselves Mm -hmm. and to meet our inner children. Um, learning how we speak to ourselves, like getting to know what our inner dialogue is, becoming that observer, like you and I have talked about before, you know, our inner dialogue or negative self talk is so mean because it's trying to protect us. (laughs) Like our ego is an asshole because it's trying to protect us, but it's not actually protecting us, you know, from what it really needs to be like it's it's really just protecting us from like getting rejected or feeling uncomfortable or feeling afraid but it's not actually like helping us yeah my or serving us in any way my inner monologue is psychotic <laughs> like truly uh, yeah really did mm-hmm. you see that article a couple months ago about the it said like that someone didn't have an inner monologue Yes. It was like a viral post that people were posting where it was like some people don't have inner monologues. Yeah. So I can relate to that on a certain level. So like my friend brought that up. I I guess we were both there unless I'm like making this up in my head. But there was a time <laughs> and I <laughs> I don't know. It could be. And and by the way, it was not a couple of months ago because we were fucking quarantined a couple months ago. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure this was like in the winter. But um, how disturbing is that statement that I just made? So very sad. Um, but I don't have one that streams all day only because I've worked on it. It so comes what do you, up. What do you hear? Nothing. I'm so scared. <laughs> and I definitely com- I definitely mm-hmm. remember this conversation. Yes. Yeah. It it used to be, but just from doing a lot of work on it, it's gotten much it's only when I my my ego, my or my you know, my ego is protecting my inner child or my ego feels threatened that it comes up in negative self talk. Not even just negative though. Like right now you don't have like when you're thinking, you don't like hear it in your head. No, but here's why. It's because I've practiced so much in my career to be very mindful when someone else is talking or, like, be mindful in the present moment. It's just literally practice. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> so, anyway. I'm just, staring, um, I'm just staring at you now because I want to... <laughs> I want to see if I can see your see your inner monologue if you can't hear. I mean, I I've definitely like gone off my like, yeah, and, like gone places like when other people. But it's just it's practice. It's not that it won't happen. It's just that I've been able to practice it not right d- becoming a disturbance or or me 
Yeah, no, like, I don't mean giving, like giving attention to it. I don't have one like in a converse like when I'm talking to you, it's just I notice my thoughts when I'm when I'm about to say something, I guess cuz I'm employing some sort of filter cuz I'm not used to it. So uh, that's that like sense. that's like what mm-hmm. my but yeah, like during the day, like when I'm alone, I have like my own best friend in my head and it's either really mean or really fun and interesting and like creative and nice. But yeah, <laughs> it can go either way. Um, two things. One is probably also the difference between that with you and me is that, as I said earlier, I don't really use a filter. <laughs> <laughs> and two, that nice, creative, loving part of yourself is you. Mm-hmm. Is is you? The not so nice part of yourself is your ego. It's yep. not you. I just want to point that out again for our listeners. Yeah. Um. I also want to say, too, when when and if you ever start doing inner child work, it can feel like a very heavy grieving process. Mm. Um, I cry a lot when I do inner child meditations, and I'm not saying that to scare anybody away from them. They're actually very um, freeing, very relieving. Um, it's almost like a huge release after Mm -hmm. it's very needed. I can tell that it was very needed. Um, you know, grief is love with no place to go. Mm -hmm. And I have to give that love back to my younger self consistently. And if not, then I feel very abandoned, very afraid, very unsafe. And, you know, she lives within me and I have to provide her with this safe space. No one else can. Right. So I just want to point that out kind of like as a disclaimer, like it's okay if it feels like you're grieving something because you kind of are, you're grieving the love that like your inner, your younger self didn't get and not because we didn't deserve it or because it maybe our parents didn't try to give it to us, mm-hmm. but it just didn't happen. Right. Yeah. This is also like the crux of daddy issues. By <laughs> I was thinking the same. Are we gonna get into that? Oh my gosh, are we in each other's heads like always? We always are. Maybe we should hold off on that for another day. But Cece and I both have daddy issues. Seriously, and this is where that comes from. And that's that. The idea of that has changed for me. Like from. Like being when I was a kid, like I was really close to my dad, and now as an adult, like that's kind of changed. The situation has changed, so mm-hmm. this is like a new idea for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it definitely, you know, the way that that we were were taught and conditioned to love and to have relationships by our parents, you know, that's a whole other aspect of it, and like what we saw growing up affects how we act today and man we we really could do a whole episode on on that specifically (laughs) let's do it yeah yeah we'll hold off on it okay I do have um two suggestions so for anybody who wants to engage in some inner child meditation and also a, a book I recommend as well for this type of great work is um I think I actually sent you a picture of it before. Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents. <laughs> I think you did, yeah. Um, by, Lindsay, by Lindsay C. Gibson. And then there are two meditations that I'll just put out, but I will 
I'll post more as we go along. Um, there's two parts by the same woman, um, and I highly suggest them. You don't have to do them in order. There just are two. It's called Healing Inner Child and Emotional Processing 1 and 2 by Erin Colleen Garrity, G-E-R-A-G-H-T-Y, and they are both on the app Insight Timer, which you can get free in the app store. I don't know if you can find it anywhere else, but that's where I do all my Great. meditations. Yeah, we'll link those too and um Okay, cool. in the description of the episode. This is Anything great else? stuff. I feel is like it? as heavy as this topic is, I felt much more heavy after other things that we've talked about. Oh, good. Yeah. Because there's also, there is also that the positive side of this, right? Where, and you talked about that doing things, you know, those experiences that we had as a child weren't all negative. So if we can go back to who, to that innocent part of us and not forget to, to employ that today, you know, like with Mm -hmm. all the joy and confidence that we might have had as a kid that maybe we lost along the way, we can try and regain that. Yeah. Isn't that beautiful? It is. So remember, you are not unlovable until someone loves you. You are and always have been lovable since you got here. Thanks Thanks for for tuning tuning in. in. We love you. We love you. If you like our podcast, please make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can like us on social media. Our Instagram handle is Let's Unpack This Pod. You can find us on Facebook. You can also email us to Let's Unpack This Podcast at gmail.com and submit your questions or topic ideas. When we read the questions, they will be anonymous, so your name will not be on the podcast. So please feel free to be open about any issues you're having or situations that you would want us to unpack. Please make sure you subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast so you can get alerts when our next episode is up. We thank you for listening.